I despise your killings and rapings. You are despicable. Are you my judge? It's just you should be punished. I'm going to chop off your arm. So are you ready? Asian Cinema Fusion. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and we are here once again to do what we do best, and that's talk Asian cinema. We have five films, as we are going to continue with the five film format now that we started on our last show. And uh, we're going to start our first film, as always, is a new film, and we're going to review today The Tunnel. This is out of South Korea in 2016, directed by Kim Sung Hoon, uh, who you might know from A Hard Day, and that's pretty much uh, his big claim to fame before this film, starring Hang Jung Woo, who plays Jung Soo. Uh, he was the killer in the film The Chaser, the star of The Yellow Sea. He was in The Berlin File. He was the Count in The Handmaiden, if you've seen that uh, film that we will be uh, reviewing here. Uh, probably on our next show. Also starring Bei Du Na, who plays Sehun, the uh, wife of Jung Soo. Uh, you might remember her from Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, or probably even better from The Host. She was the sister, the archer, and uh, she was also in Jupiter Ascending, the uh, American film. And O Dao Su, who plays Dai Kyung. Uh, Oda Su, you might remember him. He was in a uh, veteran. He was the guy, the team leader, so to speak. Uh, he was in Troubleshooter. He was an old boy. Oda Su uh, uh, is a very, very good, I guess, character actor. You know, a guy who plays a lot of supporting roles, but always does a good job. Every time I see him, uh, I always like his work. So our tagline is we always come up with a tagline for every film we review. Some of them are good, some of them not so good. Uh, tagline for this one is, even hope becomes buried. So what's this about? Well, a businessman becomes trapped underneath a collapsed tunnel. Rescue efforts become complicated when media, politicians, and the public get involved. I heard great things about this film going in, so I was somewhat excited. But the film was somewhat slow going, and to boot, I had the most obnoxious couple sitting next to me during the screening. I would have moved, but it was assigned seating and the film was sold out, so I feel this may have hampered my enjoyment of the film. However, afterwards I tried to focus on what I saw and I must say it was quite good. The film, it reminded me somewhat of the American film 127 Hours. Um, well, not as good as that film. It was successful in giving you the sense of exasperation from Jung Soo. I have not seen the film about the Chilean miners disaster. But I have heard that this was similar in many respects to that as well. The director does an excellent job of telling the story of a man striving for optimism in the face of slowly dying, you know, seeing his life end. 
but adding some lightheartedness as well as some moments uh, of disgust with how politics overcome the rescuing of an innocent man who is the victim of the government themselves in many ways. Hang Jung-woo is very good in, in this role. Um, but I felt it was Bei Doon-nai uh, who plays his wife who really had the best performance. I found the character to be very real as uh, she's trying to be upbeat and supportive of her husband and the rescue efforts, but at the same time struggling with animosity from the public through the circumstances that she's not responsible for, worrying about you know how, how to tell her daughter what's happening. Very, very real uh, performance from her. Um, there is a scene late in the film where she goes to a radio station to speak that is just heartbreaking. Old Su also, as I spoke about, she was just solid as usual. He's such an underrated performer. This really um, works on so many levels. Overall, it's just a very good film um, in every way. It's maybe a little different than our usual Korean exports, but that's a good thing. Um, the Korean film industry is really strong, and it continues to expand by leaps and bounds, and continues also to expand in the genre of films. I saw this film, as I said, uh, on the big screen here in New York, and I'm not sure if it's still playing at any of the local theaters, but it has been picked up by WellGo, which means an American DVD release and probable Netflix run is in its future, and I really think you should check this out. It's really um, well acted, well written, not a lot of action, not a lot of comedy. There is a couple of chuckle parts but it's mostly a grim story but I mean the subject matter is going to lead to that definitely something I think you should watch I gave it a 7 out of 10 and uh, as I said uh, I'm pretty sure that it will get a Netflix run and uh, definitely get an American release as it say on DVD so you should be able to catch this film uh, within the next couple of months okay now usually here we go to our second new film but I'm changing it and I'll explain why. Last show, I started to say I'm going to add films that aren't really old school. They aren't really fitting for my wild card selection. But they were films that maybe I missed. That uh, something I wanted to see but never got around to it and finally did see it. Or a film maybe I did see but for some particular reason I just want to add it. Now, this is the latter in this case because I'm going to review Cold War. This is 2012 Hong Kong film directed by Sonny Luke and Longman Liang. Now, I believe Sonny Luke was a assistant director on the Full Alert film, the, the uh, film by Ringo Lam. These guys also since then have made a film Helios and they've made the sequel Cold War II. But this was pretty much the first uh, major film direction that they did. Uh, it's starring Aaron Kwok as the Deputy Commissioner Sean Lau, um, of course, from Port of Call, which we reviewed on here, Bear for the Kid, which we reviewed on here, Storm Riders, you might know him from, Tony Leung Kai-Fi plays Deputy Commissioner M.B. Lee, who is most notedly uh, from the film Prison on Fire, also Ashes of Time, Election, a film that we will review on here at some point. Uh, hopefully soon. Also, Gordon Lamb 
as Albert C.L. Kwan, uh, Gordon Lamb in the film Trevisa uh, that we reviewed on here, Election uh, and uh, Drug War. And Charlie Young, who plays Phoenix, uh, C.M. Lung, he is the PR head, and uh, probably best known for Seven Swords. He was also in the new police story with Jackie Chan. That's about all I really know Charlie from off the top of my head. Tagline for this film, connect the threads, solve the case. Not one of my better ones, but I had trouble coming up with one for this. So this, this plot-wise, what do we have here? Well, a police van and five police officers are taken hostage. Now the police have to battle inner politics as well as a criminal mastermind to solve it. This is a really a fresh take on the crime genre. Usually we see things from detectives perspective, you know, um, and we'll just see like the chief of police come in to yell at the renegade officers for their lack of procedure or property damage or whatever it is. And they yell at them and the smart aleck detectives give them wise answers and then the chief storms off away and we don't see them again, you know? Well, here, those chiefs and high-ups are the center of the story. They're working to try to save the captured officers while trying to discover corruption as well as angling themselves for the future in the department. The story is intricate. Actually, quite intricate. You may have to go back at times to see a scene again. To some, this is a turn-off. It's a movie. I don't want to think. I've heard that before, and I get that. But I found the genius in this film is to be in that you really need to listen carefully to what's being said. When it ends, you have some answers and more questions. And luckily, there is a part two, which, spoiler alert, will be the other new film we review um, on this podcast. But I wanted to review Cold War 1 before we review Cold War 2, for obvious reasons. So... This film is really helped by a truly fantastic cast, including sorry, including some cameos from the great Andy Lau, as well as one from the infamous Michael Wong. Aaron Kwok is fantastic here, as is Tony Leung. Uh, but really, there are great performances throughout, including, uh, not mentioned, uh, Chin Karlock and Eddie Peng, uh, who is very good in this film. Now, you may say, is there any action in this film? Being that we're talking about the Chiefs, but there is. There is action in this film. I wouldn't call it action-packed, but there are some action scenes, and what we have really does work. But, I mean, what the base of this film is really how the layers of this onion are peeled back little by little. So, like I said, this is a different type of cop film. But one, if you give it the attention it needs, should be very entertaining. I'm going to give this film a 7 out of 10. Um, this film, I'm pretty sure, is on Netflix right now. Um, it does have a well-go release, so there means you could find a DVD of it fairly cheap. You might find one um, at the, on eBay or what have you. This is, shouldn't be too hard of a film to find. And that will lead us into our review of Cold War Two. 2016 out of Hong Kong, again directed by Sonny Luk and Long Man Leung, 
And again, we have returning in the starring role, Aaron Kwok as Sean Lau, Tony Leung as M.B. Lee, Charlie Leung is back as Phoenix Lung. But add to this cast, Y.Z. Lee, who plays Lai Wing Lim. Uh, Y.Z. Lee, uh, star of the big heat. He had a huge role in Bullet in the Head. If you saw Bullet in the Head, he was the once friend kind of turned on him. He also had a similar role um, in A Better Tomorrow. If you remember Better Tomorrow, the one guy who was kind of like the low man on the pole, but after everything that happens, he winds up being kind of the head. That That's Y.Z. Lee, also in the 4 trilogy. And, speaking of A Better Tomorrow, Chow Yun-Fat is in this film as Oswald Khan, a uh, legislator. Very powerful legislator. Tagline for this film is, Everyone has a craving for power. This picks up basically right after the first film, where we learn that there is some secret uh, person who is behind this conspiracy, and now, you know, we don't know why or anything yet, uh, but that's what, you know, this film is supposed to uh, tell us and explain to us. So, you know, how I just spoke about Cold War, it was really a trailblazer in the cop genre. Unfortunately, I feel this didn't follow suit. It is still about the higher-ups of the force, but now it becomes really all about corruption, the seduction of power, something we have seen all too often in recent years and done much better in films like Inside Men, which we viewed on this podcast a couple episodes ago. So I think they kind of got away. See, in the first film, there was a lot of politics, but everybody was pretty much, for the most part, there was corruption, of course. If you saw Cold War, you know that. There were some guys who were turned, but for the most part, there was just a lot of conflict over how to do things, but everybody wanted what was best. And that kind of went away in this film, where almost everybody, it seems, is bad and guilty in some way or another. Now, the addition of big-name stars like Chaiyun Fan and Y.Z. Lee unfortunately seems somewhat uninspired. Um, both do a fine job of what they are given, but that isn't much. And it seemed like a waste of such great actors, to be honest. Um, of course, there are still great actors in the lead, with Aaron Kwok and Tony Young both back and both very good as usual. But there was definitely a sense of some overly dramatic scenes with long angry stares that felt so overdone at times it was almost comical. But I put that more on the directors than I do the actors. Um, what did excel a bit from the first entry in this film was the cinematography. Um, some very nicely shot scenes. Clever use of deflections and um, overhead shots. Some really nice cinematography in this which, uh, which stood out. Um, like I always say, if I mention the cinematography in a review, it's because it stood out. Um, the style of the film, like the first, is very slick and an intricate plot. Maybe not as intricate as the original, though. Um, which may be, you know, a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at it. The pacing did suffer at some points. And it definitely, while it had a couple, it definitely needed a little more action sequences. Now, this isn't a bad film. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking to myself, as I often do, I'm being too critical of this film. 
I don't want people to feel like, oh, that wasn't a good film. But I'm not saying that because it wasn't a bad film. And visually, it's very appeasing. The all-star cast is also very nice. And it is, it is well written. I just think, compared to part one, it didn't hold up. And that's not a burial. I mean, I really think the first Cold War was just an excellent, excellent film. And I think this is a good film. Uh, there is a feeling at the end of this that the story may not be over. Now, I have not heard any word yet confirming a part three, but the fact that this film now holds the honor of the highest box office opening in Hong Kong history seems to lean towards part three being a reality. In fact, many of the top stars of the film, including Chow Yun-Fat and Eddie Ping, who is again, by the way, very good in this film, have said it needs a part three to fully explain the story. So, overall, if you enjoyed Cold War, and if uh, if you saw it, I hope you did, and if you haven't, I hope you watch it, you should see this, and hopefully a part three if made. But while good, it does not reach the level the first one did, and so, because of that, I'm going to give this a slightly low score. I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. Again, to me, 6 out of 10 is still a film that I think is very watchable. It's a good, I feel, sometimes someone asks me, well, is 6 in your eyes a good score? And I think 6 means it's a good film and it's worth a watch. I think anything 7 and above is something I would really recommend. But I think 6 is good. And if I go under 5, I think it's probably something you should miss. Um, but I think five and six are films that I think are good watches. You know, not drop what you're doing to watch, but I think they're decent films. And uh, from that, now we move on to our old school entry, and that is Born Invincible, Hong Kong, 1978. Directed by Joseph Ko, who is probably best known for the 18 Bronze Men, 1 and 2, 7 Grand Masters, The Mighty One. Um, starring Carter Wong, who plays Wu Chang, who is uh, probably best known again for 18 Bronze Men. He was in Big Trouble in Little China when Taekwondo Strikes. Um, he was in that also. So uh, he's been in quite a few uh, good films. Also, Jack Long, who plays Ming Tu, also from Seven Grandmasters. He was in The Mystery of Chess Boxing. Mark Long, who plays Sa Chien, who was also in Mystery of Chess Boxing and Seven Grandmasters. Yeah, these guys do kind of all work together. He was also, and uh, I, I meant to mention that uh, in Mystery of Chess Boxing, Mark Long was the guy who played Ghostface Killer. And Lo Lei, who plays Jin Pa. Of course, Lo Lei, uh, most famous for his starring role in King Boxer, a.k.a. Five Fingers of Death. And, of course, well-known for playing Pai Mei most notably an execution from Shaolin, but he played the uh, long white white bearded uh, monk in uh, many films. So my tagline in this is, how do you stop an unbeatable foe? So what's this about? Well, when a couple of Kung Fu students help an old man and his daughter, they become embroiled in a blood feud with a group of ruthless, unstoppable killers. So, I don't do a lot of indie foo flicks, which is what I would call this. 
But Carter Wong and Jack Long are two of the more famous actors that you'll see in these indie flicks, and this is probably one of the more well-known titles. Now, I have heard rumors that there is a subtitled version of this, but I have never gotten one. And I must say, I do always prefer the subbed over English dub. The reason is simple, you know, the voices at times are a little too ridiculous to take serious, and unfortunately that was the case here at times. Especially the weirdly high-pitched voice they gave uh, Carter Wong's uh, character in this film. It was a bit silly at times, it made it hard to take seriously, it did. Um, also, there was a zany sound effect whenever Carter used his special Tai Chi style that was just laughable. Hard to talk about acting in a dub film for me, so I won't give any criticism or praise, but what we can't talk about is the action, and there is tons of it. They are lots of fightings. Some good, some not as good, but still a lot of action. Uh, the opening fight with Jack Long and the pair of killers. Then the same two killers facing Alan Chui later were very good scenes. Um, and some of Carter Wong's fight scenes were good. Lole, who I normally like, was a little too dependent on his weapon he had in this film. And I thought it took a bit away from his fight scenes. Storyline-wise, it's pretty much as cookie-cutter as can be. Teacher kill, now students want revenge. The twist here is these villains are really, they're just too good for these guys. And no training is going to change that. So they must use some, let's just say, innovative techniques to defeat their enemies. It was different, and that is usually a good thing for me. Now, this is an okay watch for real old-school film junkies. Uh, I think would really like this. Uh, but you still have to realize it's a step-down in production, story, and choreography from the guys over at Shaw Golden Harvest. Still, uh, you may enjoy this even if it's the laugh at the horrible dubbing. I give this a 5.5 out of 10. And uh, like I said, uh, if you're a Carter Wong fan, uh, definitely used to watch this. Uh, if you like indie food flicks, um, then definitely watch it. This is one of the better ones you'll see. Born Invincible. And uh, this is... You, you, you'll catch... There's copies of this everywhere. I've seen copies in Walmart for like $3. Um, this is not a hard film to find. It might be on Netflix. I think it used to be on Hulu, but now Hulu is no longer free. But if you're paying from Hulu, I do think Born Invincible could be on there. I know it's on... Uh, Amazon Prime, I'm pretty sure. And like I said, there is um, cheap copies of it everywhere. You could probably get a copy for it, like on, for six bucks or something on eBay. So Born Invincible, definitely a film that should be easy to find. And that leaves us with our wild card selection. It's, uh, I have every show, so I always put it to work. And this is a film that I truly, truly enjoy, which I think maybe uh, is going under the radar for some and maybe a lot of you don't know it or maybe you've heard of it but haven't seen it and our choice of this episode is lesson of the evil out of japan 2012 directed by the great takashi miki um takashi miki has done he's probably done over 100 films by now um his most well-known films audition one miss call ichi the killer the black society trilogy so many more films I can name from Takashi Miki. Starring Hideaki Ito, who plays Professor Hasumi, um, one of the really big 
leading men in Japan, uh, probably best known for Princess Blade, Sukiyaki Western Django. He was in the Umizaru series, star of that series. Starring, also starring Takayuki Yamada, who plays Professor Shibahara, who you would know from Crozo the Trilogy, also in Monsters. And Fumi Nikaido as Raiko, who is known for My Man, Why Don't You Play in Hell. And Wolf Girl and Black Prince is a film which I really have not seen yet, but really want to see. And my tagline for this is Carnage 101. So, what's this about? A sociopathic teacher tries to end bullying and cheating in his school to somewhat disastrous results. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time I reviewed a Takashi Miki film on this show which in itself is amazing considering how much a fan I am of the man and how many films he has made. Uh, known for being over the top in everything he does, and uh, this adheres to that claim in spades. One of the single most jaw-dropping films you may ever see. It is not for the squeamish. Um, what Mickey does here is show the slow progression of madness until it completely overtakes the antagonist. It, at points, is quite surreal, but that doesn't surprise me. Mickey has done that from time to time before. Some who are not familiar with him may not grasp that stuff, but for me, it just fits his style so much. What this film harkens me to is the great Battle Royale, um, which we have reviewed in the past here. While the students are really up against one soul madman rather than against each other in like in Battle Royal, it does show the minds of these young teens, their hopes, their insecurities, and their ties to their classmates that may seem foreign to those of us who are too old and jaded to remember such things. Hideaki Ito is fantastic at the lead here. Really, such a different character than we have seen from him in the past, but completely believable. Well, as believable as a psycho, as a psychopathic English teacher can be. I also really enjoyed uh, Fumi Nikaido here. No wonder, really, as to how her career is just skyrocketing now. And uh, the use of the song, Mac the Knife, in various forms was also a great touch. I would never hear that song the same way again. Yeah, this film is violent. No, really violent. I'm talking maybe rated X in America violent. In fact, I will go on record as saying there would never be a film made like this uh, made here in America. The subject matter is very raw. They're from illicit teacher-student affairs to the wholesale brutal, brutal murderings inside the school. Takashi Miki is not just one who pushes the envelope. He sets it on fire and blasts it with a bazooka. I just simply love this film. But it's not for everyone. The visuals are disturbing. The subject matter is very shocking. But if you can deal with that stuff in the vein of, it's only a movie, then I think you'll be blown away, pun intended, by this film. I give it an 8 out of 10 uh, probably will never see this on Amazon or Netflix, 
but there are places to get the DVD if you want it. Um, there are websites out there. You can Google Lesson of the Evil DVD, Lesson of the Evil Blu-ray. There are websites that you can get it from, or you can contact me. There's a few ways you can contact me. Uh, so, you know, whether it's through this podcast, there's a user comment section, or um, some other ways that we're going to talk about in a second. And uh, if you can't get a copy, I'll try to help you any way I can to help you obtain it. Because this is a film, I feel, if you're a fan of Asian cinema, uh, you really need to see Lesson of Evil. I mean, <laughs> it's just, man, it's just something else. It's something to behold, really. It's, it's, it's an experience, is the only way I can really say. Okay, that's our show. Now, here's what I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you that Guys, the Asian Cinema Fusion is now on Facebook and will soon, in a few days, be on Twitter. For the Facebook page, it's simply Asian Cinema Fusion. Just go to Facebook and just look it up in the search. Join up, support the show. Um, I will be updating guys on there about future podcasts, also about future releases, um, news about film festivals, uh, news just about upcoming films special screenings that I hear about. Obviously, they'll probably mostly be in the New York area, being that's where I am. That's where I'm going to hear about stuff. But if I hear about stuff in other areas, um, I'm going to put up there also. Also, right now, as I started the page a couple of days ago, I am doing a countdown of my 100 favorite Asian films. So, you know, check that out. Take a look. Comment on my picks as I count down to number one. Uh, let me know if you think my picks are terrible or if you love them. In fact, uh, a lot of the films that we review on this podcast will be on that list at some point or other. I think a couple are already up there. And uh, next show, let's give you guys a little sneak preview. We will be reviewing the new Godzilla film. Also, I will be seeing Old Boy on the big screen with director Park in attendance. We will talk about that as well. So as always, I'm going to thank you guys for listening, and bye-bye.